Hey everyone! And welcome back to another Video Wednesday. And today we actually have something really fun because we are on a podcast with our friend Manny. I'm quarantined in Germany. Yeah, I'm quarantined in Germany. And there's no place I'd rather be. Rather be. Hi, and welcome to Sequelitis. This is Manny, and joining me on this episode are a couple of uh, special friends of mine, Josephine Keyes and Everett Aponte. They're an acting couple in Los Angeles with a fantastic YouTube channel that you should definitely check out, Everjo Productions. Mm -hmm. And so we are going to get into a little bit of their background working in the industry, the films that they're working on, and also uh, their adventures in the pandemic times. So <laughs> welcome to Sequelitis. Thank you, Manny. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining me. So uh, I'd like to start off just uh, getting background for each of you, uh, because that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, you guys aren't just, you know, a uh, couple of people that, you know, happen to move from somewhere in the Midwest to Los Angeles and just met up. Like, it, it goes a lot further than that. Okay. Um, so right before Everett met, I was actually in acting school in Germany. I was getting my associate's degree as an actor and as a stunt uh, performer. And I met um, a producer through a, a friend that we had in common. And that producer said, hey, I'm going to shoot a movie at the end of the summer. Do you want to audition for it? And I was like, okay, sure. He was like, I really need you to speak English really well. I'm like, oh gosh, so nervous. And so I sent this little videotape. I think it was like, I want to say it was like Cinderella story, like the one with Hilary Duff. So like probably the best monologue you could find. And I send that in and they're like, oh yeah, you got the part. Just come on over to this teeny tiny small town and shoot a movie with us. Like not a small town, like nowhere. <laughs> It's literally, there's two houses. But it's great. So that's, I went there and that's how I met this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my background is a little lengthier. I'll try to give you the short version. Um, uh, I graduated film school from the University of Texas at Austin. Shot a short film in Puerto Rico, um, which got me into about 45 uh, film festivals. Um, then I tried to shoot a feature film uh, that was about $16 million. Uh, budget um, and due to some unfortunate circumstances it you know fell through so I sort of lost it went and taught English in Korea and then shot a short film there so realized that you know I still had it in me I needed I just being in the movies industry is just what I was born to do so I came back to America wrote a script shot a sheet uh, shot a feature film and then tried to take that feature film and sell it on the markets but that's when I learned the hard way that um, you don't want to make an art house movie with no names um, and so uh, I learned uh, the hard way that um, I did it wrong um, so I shot basically with a bunch of theater actors a feature film um, and I couldn't sell it I couldn't get anywhere with it it was a drama so it wasn't even really a, a, a a, 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 a genre film but when I did that at the American film market in 2011 I met a fellow named Nico Sentner who was the producer of movies in Germany and also a distributor for for Germany so he was a buyer and a seller 
Um, small time, not huge, but he was still, he was working on producing Atomic Eden at the time, and he fell in love with me when he found out that I was from Texas, um, because I apparently don't act very Texan, and he uh, <laughs> uh, basically wrote a part specifically for me to play in Atomic Eden. And so we kept in touch and kept in touch, and when it was very close to shooting time, he said, look, man, I need help to pick this part, um, which was a female role, um, uh, you know, which was her role. But um, so he had like three actresses, and he sent me videos for all three. And so I watched all three of them, and I literally recommended her, and I said, yeah, I think you should get her uh and i'm not kidding the reasoning behind it was because she seemed like she would work well with us because the other ones looked very snooty like they looked like they'd be a diva and she looked very <laughs> like easier to work with <laughs> if you will yeah um, and so uh we both agreed and so i actually contributed into meeting her <laughs> eventually um so we pulled her in and then i flew in and yeah that's where we met on the set of this film yeah and it was like really funny because i like when i first met you you would always wear your cowboy hat because you bought this fancy hat and you would never take it off it was like glued to him he had long hair and like a huge bushy beard and he wore cowboy boots like you looked ridiculous the whole movie there is one review um of the movie that the reviewer literally said, Ever DePonte seems to be the only actor in this movie that knows what kind of movie he is in. <laughs> <laughs> and because I knew, like when I got there, when I was young, me and my friends, we used to go to Blockbuster Video, there I go aging myself again, and look for the worst title we could find and then watch these really horrible movies and have fun, make, make fun of them, have fun with them, very much in the style of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is one of my favorite shows ever. Um, and so, shooting Atomic Eden was kind of like a dream of mine to be able to actually be a part of a B-movie that, you know, like everybody was really taking seriously and really wanted to get get through it and and i'm sitting there just laughing every day just going like this is ridiculous i love it this is exactly what i i, I just i couldn't believe that i was in one of these movies that i used to uh love watching when i was a kid but not because they're good <laughs> but because they're bad in a fun way and that's how i would i would say you know because there's some movies that are bad and you just can't watch it but this one's, like, bad in such a great, fun way. Like, you can't help but enjoy it. And I enjoyed every second I was on that set. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing about it is it's a, it's a very efficient movie. Like, um, that's, that's one of the things that really separates, like, a good, bad movie from a bad, bad movie is if it can actually keep you entertained. And it might not be intentional in the ways that it is entertaining you. But um, the worst thing is, is just watching a bad movie where it just drags on. Yeah. And in this movie, like that, that's that's one of the the strongest qualities of it. That and the fight choreography is the pacing of it. It's got some great pacing to it. And um, yeah, that was that was the thing that stood out for me. It was kind of difficult because when I watched it, I was already friends with both of you. So 
you know, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's my friends, there's my friends. And like also knowing in the back of my head, I'm like, this is where they met. This is where, you know, they, they went from two separate actors just kind of floating out there to being attracted to each other. Um, but the, the thing is, like from the very first moment you come on screen, it's like, oh, this guy is, he's chewing it up. He's like you you are just like embracing it for exactly what it is and having fun. And like I feel I, I feel bad for Josephine just because the thing is, is on your character is you have to like there's this sense that you have to be constantly proving that like you're tough and that people yeah. can't just fuck with you because you're the smallest member of the cast. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. So well, it's I mean, Mike like, Miller is pretty small too, but at least he could fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not yeah. doubting that he's strong because he could break you in yeah. half, yeah. literally. He was he, he was the yeah. the kung fu guy in there. No, he was he was awesome yeah. in that. Um, you know, and, and I'm certain that you know there there are some fans of his, and so this has got to be like just it's got to be like crack for them. It's got to be the good stuff for them to watch this film. Mm-hmm. Cause especially they have that great fight scene, like the David and Goliath fight scene. Oh that's yeah. So and that's, great. that's, that's like the highlight of the film. Yeah. It's one of the best fight scenes in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, personally I've, I've been in some bad movies and unfortunately the bad movies that I'm in are nowhere near as entertaining as atomic eating. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You can, you can sit down you you can watch it like you know uh, you can watch it intently you can have it on in the background like it works on a lot of different levels yeah yeah it works uh, but really especially well like... when you have a drink in your hand <laughs> yeah I always <laughs> tell people there's no need to watch it sober <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, one thing one thing I do want to uh, ask though because I think this really comes across in how they portray your character and I think that's the reason why it works so well for you is you like just embraced it. Germans love cowboys, right? Yes. Like Germans like have a fascination with like Texas and cowboys and like sure life do. out on the range and stuff like that. Why um, is that? I, I really don't know. I think it's actually not just a German thing. I think it's a European thing uh, because I know that Italy was huge on Westerns and that's where they got the spaghetti Westerns from. Um, and in fact, uh, the biggest Western stars in Germany were these two guys named uh, Bud Spencer and Terence Hill. Hill. Um, And they came from Italian Westerns and they became huge in Germany. Oh my gosh. In fact, um, I know we'll talk about this later, but during our uh, quarantined in Germany uh, shows, people were starting to see my beard and going, hey, he looks just like Bud Spencer because I was also getting fat. And he's a big guy. And so I was gaining weight and growing a beard. And I was becoming like, you know, people were calling me, oh, the next Bud Spencer. Um, well, our fans were, you know. Um, <laughs> but that's how big. Uh, they love the Western out there. Um, what's that other? There's this. They did a Star Trek one. And then they did oh. the Western. Um, so, okay, it's we really, have... really. <laughs> I actually want to say a little bit like about history. I think we're not just in love with like Western movies as much, but we definitely have that just fascination with like the the Indian and the cowboy story. So there's a lot of books like that, and there's actually still like summer theater shows that will run for eight weeks or so, and they're always sold out with these big big productions that are all about cowboys and like the wild wild west because it's just so fun. It's and, funny because um, oft, as an American, when I watch them put on a, a show or do something with um, a Native American, um, 
it's often cringing because it would it, it, in America that would be very offensive. But in Germany, it's just you know it's funny and it's just the way they they see things because they don't have the history of of you know that we do with the Native Americans. So they just yeah. take that portrayal and just run with it. Whereas when I see it, I'm like, oh, oh man, that's rough. <laughs> and there's this famous German movie that we've shown to Everett because it's just fantastic called Der Schuh des Manitou. So the shoe of Manitou. And it's a, it's a classic uh, cowboy versus Indian story, but the heroes are the Native Americans. And, um, but they're so funny. They speak in a Bavarian accent for no reason. Um, but it's just a funny accent. One of them is very gay, so he has a Native American traditional outfit, but it's all pink. And he has a, like, it's just absolutely hilarious. And there's some music, and there's a, like, ridiculous love story. And it's just, like, one of the best comedy movies in Germany ever, I think. And we love that. And if you can be yeah. more cowboy or more Native American than that, you're our hero. That's true. I'll never forget the one direction that this um, German producer said to me. Um, I think during my scene with you, I think with the, the 40 teeth, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. But it was during one of the scenes. Um, and when, when, when we stopped, he goes, Everett, can you be more Texan? And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I'll be more Texan. So I'm a little bit more Texan. He's like, can you do it even more? I'm like, all right, yeah, I forgot what movie I'm in. Here we go. I'll show you the most Texan Texan that Texan, you know? Yeah, so I, I've got, I went all out. Like, uh, there was a review um, in Australia that basically said um, that my accent was like the worst accent he's ever heard. It's just unrealistic, whatever. Clearly, he didn't know what movie he was watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm, it's almost embarrassing if it wasn't so fun, you know? Like, if this was a real movie, I was totally doing my accent terribly. But fortunately, it's, well, I mean, not like a fake movie. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, it's one of those movies where an over-the-top Texan... Uh, really gets to um, go all out. In Germany, they love it. They love it to death in Germany. Yeah, we've gotten oh, nothing but imagine. great reviews I out there. I can imagine. Like, uh, when, they, when they first introduce your character and just you're riding across on the horse <laughs> and you, you jump off, and uh, <laughs> just, just from that moment on, I was, like, I was like, okay, this is what they're doing. And just immediately in my brain, it clicked. It was like, they're so fascinated with Texans and I, you know, I, I grew up in Texas, like born yeah. and raised there. And, um, you know, I, I kind of understood why people that weren't like, especially like Europeans, when once I learned like Europeans were fascinated with Texas, I was like, I get it. But like, it's got to be so disappointing if they like fly into DFW and like they head to downtown Dallas and they're just looking around and they're like, where are all the cowboys? Where are the, <laughs> the, the Cadillacs horses? with the, the, the horns on the front of them? Where are they? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, man, that's go to Fort Worth, go to the stockyard. You're going to find that shit there. But like outside of that, like it looks like almost anywhere else in America. Yeah. I mean, when I first met Nico, I mean, I mean, I first met him, we got together, we got, we got uh, along really well. And then he goes, when he when he asked me where I'm from, I'm like, well, I'm from Texas. He's like, no, you're not, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I am, man. 
And he's, he's like, no, 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 no. And he pulls out his phone and shows me a picture of someone from Texas. And he goes, this guy's from Texas because he met him on another film market. And he's like, this guy's from Texas. And I take one look, not even like one second, two seconds. I look at it and go, oh, that guy's from Houston. And he's like, oh, how did you know? And I'm like, because I'm from Texas, dude. <laughs> what do you want me to say? But I was also, half expecting you to be like, that guy's from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> but also for He's just Germans, cosplaying as a Texan. America is really three things. America is New York, Los Angeles, and a lot of Texas in the middle. None of the other states have a specific thing that we associate with them so much. I don't know if Florida's gotten a reputation. Oh, yeah. Florida's a <laughs> I don't think they count. But like, you have New York, you have a ton of people in cowboy hats, and then you have L.A. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's disappointing if you don't yeah, wear a cowboy hat. The middle of the country is just all Texas. Yeah. Basically. That's that's like, the German this perspective. Is so big, it's not from wrong. New York to Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe New York has Florida's a just circle. the part of Texas that sticks out into the ocean. <laughs> uh, no, have you have you ever heard there's there's a, a game it, it's kind of like a uh you know, drive time morning radio show game, but uh, it's Florida or Germany where they'll take an insane story and then people have to guess, did it happen in Florida or did it happen in Germany? Oh man, I no want to play way. that. I know, we need to play that one. That sounds yeah. really fun. Oh, that sounds really great. We might actually have to make a Whittier Wednesday out of that. Yeah. We're going to have to look that up. Man, it would be although, although, a uh, Germany man has never become like a, a, like a straight up like internet term like Florida man has. Yeah, Florida man has taken off, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Germany has some fun things that are true, I think. I can't think of one right now. <laughs> <laughs> like we're both expecting something. Like, I mean, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> but like, you know how sometimes like laws just are really funny? Like there's, uh, Germany has the biggest law for how to make beer. For no reason. <laughs> it, well, it's also the old one of the oldest. Yeah, laws it's one of the written. oldest laws, and the ones that has like the most so rules probably, is how beer has to be made. Yeah, so it's probably been amended a lot, right? Yeah. Like So since it's one of the oldest laws, it just grew and grew and grew. And then I know there's like American towns where like it's forbidden on a Sunday to walk around eating a banana, and it's like, okay, why do you have that law? And it's like, yeah, why does Germany have so many laws about beer? Yeah. I've well, I mean, that. Texas. Like I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard this, but like Texas, uh, up until I want to say maybe the '80s or '90s, it was, uh, it was a capital crime punishable by death to steal a horse. Oh, like I, the well, punishment for stealing a horse. I don't understand why they repealed that law. Like, like that sounds like I should just still be around. Well, Germany hasn't had the death penalty <laughs> in a really long time, but there's one state where technically, um, the attorneys can still ask for death penalty. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the country doesn't allow it, so I don't know why it exists. <laughs> no, Texas, like, while, while the rest of the country is, like, trying to, um, trying to outlaw, um, you know, capital punishment, Texas is trying to, like, speed up the process and yeah. expedite, like, how quickly they can yeah. execute prisoners. Like, capital like punishment we, we've is had definitely... so many stories where it's like, uh, this person might actually be innocent, and they're just like... Yeah, no, we're going to kill them tomorrow, so, you know, this is a done deal. I mean, you know, once you've made the decision, might as well just go ahead. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a rough well, one. Well, that's a tough subject. 
on, on to uh, on to rosier stuff. So um, you guys Pandemic. are. Yeah, I was gonna say like, okay, let's talk about COVID. <laughs> yeah, you guys are in Los Angeles and um, you're you're working and everything. Uh, wh- what was the experience like for you? Like, at, at what moment did you realize that COVID was going to have an impact on you? And at what point did that become like very concrete? I think. Well, it was actually funny. So we shot a movie just in the beginning of the year and we wrapped it and then we actually had a screening of another movie. So we had like a really good beginning to the year. You know, everything was like, yeah, 2020, this is the year, it's going great. And then it was like, oh, okay, there's starting to be the spread of a virus. And I'm just like, ah, it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be fine. It's fine. And then like schools are closing. I'm like, oh, that's so silly. And then all of a sudden, like, the countries were starting to close borders and you wouldn't be able to travel. And then everyone's like, we should flee. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. The moment, like, the pandemic sort of, how you would say, started, I guess. um, You know, really, honestly, I'm not kidding. Like, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, this can, you know, cause a depression. Like, a major recession, possibly depression. Like, this could crumble our economy because our economy is already so unstable um i was sort of kind of like okay a lot of bad things can happen um and and it can get really bad and i don't want to be here for that so uh and she was like you know we have tickets to go to germany to visit family for may should i just change them for and i was like tomorrow let's go we just do do it right now let's go to germany right now germany has the safety net germany has the um social um awareness to take care of pandemic and i knew that united states did not so um i mean you know like the best thing we got was twelve hundred dollars you know so i was like let's let's just go over there um the healthcare is better the the um the uh system is better able to handle this pandemic and I was right. Like we went there and we we saw things getting worse here, um, and things got better in in Germany. Of course, now this is all a different story, because winter is upon us. Um, but that's you know hitting everybody. There's the right now. It's basically nowhere is safe at this point. Yeah, that is one thing about it. Is it, it is a great big equalizer, but. I mean, definitely at, at the time, like I, I understood the the mentality behind it, because if you're looking at who do I trust more, Angela Merkel or Donald Trump, even as a as an American, like yeah. it's kind of obvious unless, you know, your your brain is fogged by a red hat. Well, also, <laughs> I think um, and not just like who do I, like not just decision making, but just watching TV if you saw Trump or any of his people on TV talking about the pandemic, it was confusing information, um, lies, or absolute panic. And it was hard to make up your mind. And then in Europe, even we were in London when we kind of heard the first bad, like big announcement. And it was all just like, okay, everyone, good evening. Let's just stay home and be calm and support each other. And here you were either like, oh, this is a lie, but I have to freak out. And it's like, nah, it doesn't make you feel good when you don't actually know what you should be doing. Yeah, I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. We heard stories of people hoarding toilet paper and paper towels in every country. So 
it, it's it, you know that mentality uh the panic mentality is there for you know everybody shares it but it's true that the leaders in europe um were much more informative uh were definitely much more like yes this is a danger were as you know our leader and other leaders like him bolsonaro comes to mind i guess um and a couple of others uh were all trying to downplay it um and i kind of trusted the european leaders that were you know saying you know this is but that at the same time they can do that because they had an economy that is able to support that sort of uh pandemic you know they had europe in general especially um the european union um but definitely germany and england they 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 had the healthcare and social programs that are able to handle the pandemic um whereas we just kept cutting away from it here and so our our economy wasn't really set up to handle a pandemic um which is why they the push to stay open or to reopen was was done and so i you know understand that from that perspective um but that's why i wanted to be somewhere that could handle you know that's why i wanted to go to germany but we yeah, both I kind mean, of thought for, it would be short term we thought yeah. you know maybe we'll come back at the beginning mid may and we i would work home office for the time that we're in germany and it's all fine we'll just be back in the summer and everything's cool we, and we stayed in germany as long as we could and watched america to see what would happen um and you know again i was afraid that you know a big crash would happen that the whole you know economy and infrastructure might collapse you know i was i was going off the you know the worst case scenario um but you know it it felt very possible to me it was the first time in my life where that felt like a real scenario uh when this pandemic hit and i think the spikes were also cuz we then at the mid of may like our flights were simply canceled there was nothing we could do and then yeah. we rescheduled and we're like the end of june that seems realistic the end of june's going to be fine and everything was looking okay and then there all of a sudden huge spike um for all of america and it looked really bad when germany was practically back to normal more or less i mean we were wearing masks but we could easily go outside we could be in restaurants outside we could have ice cream we could meet up with friends well, we could, we could, we were able to go in restaurants inside you know um the only rule was wear your mask inside because that's how the pandemic was coming down like the her city that we were staying in Leipzig had like little to no cases you know they were doing really well but again that's a summer thing you know yeah. so you know we came back when you know the summer was over and as we got back basically everywhere spiked up you know we just couldn't stay longer than you know 7 months we were putting people you know we were putting her mom out you know so um so we we just couldn't keep doing that and we were risking our visas yeah her visa we were risking that oh i oh no i definitely risked my You're visa right. my <laughs> cuz i technically when we left even the 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 immigration officer in germany was like hmm how long have you been here <laughs> and we're like uh 7 months and they're like you know that's only a 3 month you know you're only supposed to be here for 3 months and fortunately the guy next to him was like well he might have left the country and came back in because you can do that you just go to the next country over and then come back and then there you go your 3 months start over again 
Oh, um, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> Twice. And, <laughs> and for me, I'm, I have a green card in America. You have to, you can never really spend more than six months outside of the country. Um, but literally everybody was like, oh, when? Yeah, seven months is fine. There's a pandemic. Yeah, when we came back, they were yeah. much more Kind of everything goes out the window. Yeah. So at that point, it was fine. I mean, not that it was really tough also to get a flight even out. They, uh, even once they were flying, there were so few. And it's a long trip for us. Yeah, because, you know, on, on flights, they don't allow you to, They even separated us, you know? Like, they, they had, like... A seating arrangement so that like they each aisle only had one person in it you know um so they kept people socially distanced within the plane itself which i thought was neat was interesting um and then you know of course you see the video on how they spray everything they disinfect it all in between flights and that make that does make you feel a little better but yeah i wanted my wife to be next to me so i had to be like hey she's my wife can she please sit in my aisle <laughs> you know <laughs> So, um, what what I'm interested in is is the uh, the trip there, uh, because that that was something where um, man, I there, there's a lot of things that I feel like I'm I'm brave enough to like go out and try that a lot of other people would be like, no, not me, but but to do what you guys did like at that time, definitely I was like, man, that would be a real because I I was planning on doing some international travel around April. And everything started happening. I was like, thank goodness I didn't book that trip because I am definitely not going to go now. Yeah, so we already had a flight booked, just like a vacation, booked to Germany for the beginning of May. And so I just felt like, okay, you know, there's a pandemic. There's no way they'll have change fees. I'm just going to give them a call and tell them to get me out of the country. And so I called. I'm like, you have to. You have to. I'm like begging her. And she's like, okay, fine. Wednesday morning. How about that? I'm like done just whatever it takes and uh, that 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 was was monday Monday. yeah Yeah. and so monday i get into work i'm like i booked a flight out of here i'll see when i'm back and it was a little crazy but then you know i still worked we packed everything it was like completely nuts because we wanted to take some equipment we wanted to get everything that you might need and we only had so many suitcases yeah um, and then, so Wednesday we get to the airport and even the lady at check-in, she sees my passport and is like, yeah, obviously the German wants to leave. She opens Everett's passport and is like, you yeah. know you can't come back. Yeah, she was like, basically, immediately like, you know you can't come back, right? Like, there's a pandemic hitting the world, <laughs> you know? Like, if you fly out now, you won't come back. And I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> There's no plan on me coming back anytime soon. She had Believe such panic. Me. But yeah, she she was like, I mean, you know, I don't know why you're what you're doing, you know. And that's the thing too, because at that time, uh, the pandemic hit Europe really hard, especially Italy and Spain, and UK was start was rising in numbers at the time, and we were flying into London, and so. Uh, it was everybody I know, all my friends, everybody was like, are you crazy? You know, my parents were like, what are you doing? Why are you traveling? You know, at the airports, this is where all the, this is how it spreads throughout the world. You know, like, are you kidding? Like, you know, and everybody was freaking out. Um, all of them, every single person who had, who, who was freaking out about our trip after we 
got there and the numbers started spiking up in America, we're like, man, you made the right choice. They all turned yeah. around and was like, you you were the smart ones. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, so we flew into London. And for that flight, you wouldn't have known that there was a pandemic, except that some people were wearing masks. We were wearing masks, but not everyone. And we were sitting like sardines, the way you're used to on a flight. Like, every yeah. row was full. And... Um, we get to London, everything is pretty much okay. My brother lives in London, so we actually had him, he was able to set us up in a hotel and everything was fine. But then even that night we were like, is there a restaurant that's open? And they were like, ah, no, the only thing is the hotel. I'm like, okay, that's yeah. fine. And so... Yeah, everything was closed. We wanted to kind of, you know, we were like, we're in London. I'd never been in London. This was my first time in London and everything's closed. But we were just like, you know, let's just go ahead and walk around. Like, the streets were dead. There was yeah. nobody out there. We went to Buckingham Palace. There was Alone. nobody there. It was a ghost wow. town. And uh, But we, you know, being us, we kind of still wanted to explore. But, you know, we definitely kept our distance from everybody. Well, there um, was nobody there. There was nobody around. So, um, <laughs> but, Easy to uh, do. Yeah. So, so we were able to see a few things. Um there was one thing that was open, which was an Indian restaurant. <laughs> um, it saved our lives because everything was closed. Even Starbucks wouldn't let us use their bathrooms, McDonald's, right. none of the fast wow. food places. You couldn't use a bathroom. And, you know, yeah, if you I walk... ended up having to pee somewhere. I forgot where I peed. Oh, no, it no, wasn't the, the Indian in... restaurant. But yeah. like, so going, walking through a city, and London is not very warm in March. Um, it's like it was freezing, we were hungry, we had to use the bathroom, we were just like, can anybody help us? And then this Indian guy is like, come in, come in, I'll feed you, there's a bathroom, it's warm, and we're like, yeah, it love was, that guy. It was kind of a life-saving <laughs> moment, and you know, of course, he was just happy to see customers. Any customers. Yeah. And, and, and then after that, we went to a, we found a pub under a bridge, it was a really obscure little pub. Um, but even they were just tapping out their beers. So um, they were crossing out the beers as they were tapped out, you know. So I, they only had like a few left when we got there. I was like, whatever you got, you know. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm in England. Give me a stout. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so I was able to get a, a couple beers in, um, but, uh, but they were tapping them out, you know. And then that I think that day was might have been their last day it could it could have been the next day no, it was the last day because then as we got back to the hotel and we turned on the news there were like all mayors and you know government officials in england saying this is it we're shutting everything down yeah. and that's when we heard that our flight got canceled to germany because we had booked a cheap flight to just hop over and it got canceled and they kept rebooking us for the one like three hours later but they would always get canceled because yeah. they weren't planning on flying they just kept pushing us so eventually they were like here's your money and we're like that is not helpful we want to go home we thought we were stuck in london so we're like looking we were even considering renting a car we looked at trains um, the ferry the ferry i mean we were like how the hell do we get into the mainland we got to get out of england <laughs> You know? Yeah, first, and then first up was like, we have to get to main Europe. Because, I mean, at that point, you can get a car, you could, you could walk. I mean, not really, but <laughs> once you're at least on the continent. So, okay, that we've always wanted, I mean, I've always wanted to be on the Eurostar, which is the train that goes through the tunnel, under the ocean. That sounds cool. And we were able to book that, and there was just one on that day. We were able to book it to Belgium. And then right. from Belgium, uh, from Brussels, 
you're so you usually can take several trains that go to Germany and then in Germany it's easy we have a good train net but so we rush over we get we make it to that train we get to Brussels and we get out and there's like a long border control huge line huge line even though Europe doesn't have border controls yeah it, for some reason <laughs> they just decided to have a big border control um well, for COVID this was this was before Brexit right y yes well yeah, so technically, we normally we would have gone through without passports, but right. because of the pandemic, they were checking that only the people for their countries are going to Europe. And so we get in, and he's like, "Oh, Americans aren't allowed." And yeah, I'm like, "No, he's yeah, fine." The 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 the, uh, um, the border patrol guy was actually like, "Where's your passport?" I showed him. He was like, "This is American. You you can't be here," you know. And there there was that moment of like, "Uh oh," and she basically was like, "Nope, he's my husband." He is my husband, and I'm German. I'm going home. And the guy was like, oh, but there are no trains to Germany. Sorry, you know? And we're like, wait, what? You know, because we tried to book one that was really no. like a midnight one. Yeah, and we had it on, the app said there's a train going. But, you know, they, you change, know, they make change all the time. gets canceled all the time. So we were freaking out. We were like, oh, God, now we're stuck in Brussels? You know? And we were at that train station for two hours just staring at the board that shows what trains are coming in next. Just being like, there's our train, there's our train, don't cancel. And everything got canceled. We're like, everything don't else cancel. is canceled. Don't cancel. 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 Don't cancel. And we're like watching our train. It doesn't say canceled yet. It doesn't say canceled. It arrived. I think we could do it. And then we, we jump onto that train and we got across the border. And even in Brussels, like the train station was not really like it's a like cool train station if it's open but it had absolutely no food the bathrooms were locked up not even like if mcdonald's isn't open you yeah. know something's wrong yeah, yeah. The train <laughs> that's the sign of the apocalypse <laughs> starbucks and and mcdonald's are closed you're screwed <laughs> yeah 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 and so we get on the train the um out of brussels to germany which only got us to cologne, cologne which is in west germany and not necessarily next to where i'm from and so we get yeah, there the other side of germany she's literally on the east west side of east side of germany and cologne is on the west side it's like straight it's, to the it's like the la new york type of distance right I mean, well not, not distance far. but you know relatively and so, but we yeah. both, we have friends in Cologne and we were like, hey, we know it's a pandemic, but we have two hours to kill in the middle of the night at the train station. You want to come by? And they were like, yeah. And so the five of us stood in a freezing train station with, again, almost nothing open except for a grocery store. And that grocery store had Kölsch, which is a Cologne beer that's just something special to try. And so we just stood there, had Kölsch and waited for our train. Yeah, yeah. So it was really nice, you know. We were able to see a couple of friends. That was the first time we were actually having that COVID moment of like, oh, we're not going to shake hands. You know, we're just going to say hi from a distance and drink beer. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, talk and whatever. So it was nice to see them. Uh, it was mostly just like a relief that we made it to the country, um, and you know, they were there for that relief moment. And then we get on a train which goes overnight like all through germany to the other side and that was the most packed train in a long time like because yeah. they were trying to bring everyone home like if you had been on a vacation as a german anywhere 
that was the day they were bringing you home and then they put you on any train to make you go wherever you need to be. And so our train was completely packed with yeah. so many people. God. I mean, like I said, because, you know, everything kept getting canceled and ours wasn't. So it was like, I guess everybody that wants to try to get into Germany is going to be on that train. And sure enough, they were. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, everybody is just trying to get back to Germany. Um, and on the train from Cologne to Leipzig, it was super packed. And I'll never forget this because we were sitting across from two old ladies who kept coughing. And so I was like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> we're going to die. <laughs> we, yeah. we made it all the way to Germany and these two ladies give us the COVID. <laughs> and so in total, just getting from London... You left America to escape it. <laughs> no, I don't. Just from getting to London to Leipzig took us over 24 hours. And that's not including having to fly to London. Uh, so it yeah. was like... It was amazing that we made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was I was, I was, was paying attention um, just to the Facebook posts and everything. And I was like... I had a little bit of guilt because I was very entertained by like reading the accounts of like what I thought like your expectation is like, oh, yeah, no, you're going to run into a dead end and just be like, uh, <laughs> but but like like every every time you guys made some progress, I was like, Whew. yeah, and it was it was like it was it was cool to watch. But I was like, I'm sure there's so many like little stories in between everything. Yeah. that just really like fleshes out kind of how it was both like exciting and at the same time like stressful and harrowing yeah in brussels uh there was this transient that came by <laughs> asking for money and i was like okay okay man just here here have some money and, and then he was sandwich. so grateful oh and a sandwich right yeah sandwich sandwich. And, like a couple euros yeah give him a sandwich a couple euros you know and he was just so grateful he came in for a hug and we were all like no 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 come in <laughs> <laughs> definitely add up yeah it was pretty uh so so when you guys finally got to uh lipsig um like was there's this just this like huge like sigh of relief like weight off your shoulders or like yeah. how did that feel when you guys finally got there well my first um feeling was a little bit of worry because you know you get there and you need to you should quarantine for two weeks after traveling all that right well we we did but you know we we were still with a family. So I, I was feeling a little guilty, like afraid that, you know, especially with those coughing ladies, that we might have given it to their five-year-old kid or them, you know, and I was I was feeling kind of bad about that. And then she went and saw her mom because I, I don't, did, did was there you two went, weeks? You no, know, that yeah, was right? like the yeah, same Yeah, so, so she went and saw her mom, so there was, always, there was that as well. Fortunately, the two weeks passed, We'd never caught it. We didn't have it. So the family is fine and her family's fine. And, and, and that was that. like the strictest point of the lockdown in Germany as well. So it wasn't that bad to have to be locked down. Like nobody else was leaving the house. So right. we were all just kind we of. We wouldn't be going super it. spreading it, but still, like, it, I just, I was feeling guilty for, you know. Yeah. I felt bad. Like, oh, God, I hope I don't give you guys COVID. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I start so getting bad. sick, I'm going to be like, oh. And at that point, did they have, like, um, easy-to-access testing centers set up, or was that no. still a work in progress? 
I thought, remember there was signs for it. Yeah, so there was a testing center nearby, but um, Germany never had the like, just you can mass test and go whenever you feel like it, which now here you can just go online and say like, hey, I'd like to get COVID tested. And they'll be like, okay, tomorrow morning. Um, Germany doesn't do that. You have to at the very least call a doctor and say, I'm sick of any, any kind of sick. And then they'll send you to a test center instead. So... We never, we didn't get COVID tested in Germany at all. Yeah, I never got COVID tested in Germany. Okay. Um, but again, the, the numbers didn't warrant it, you know, like, um, and our experiences didn't really warrant it. We didn't do warrant anything. It. She, her mom works at a hospital and they literally had a wing of the hospital all set up, ready to accept as many COVID patients as possible. And really they were just taking people in from Italy because nobody was getting Sick After in, a few weeks, they were oh, like, wow. oh, let's just go back to normal operations because there's no COVID patients, so it's useless that the hospital's empty. And yeah, we took in patients from Italy because they had too many and we didn't have any. So Of course, that's changed now. Freaking yeah. winter, man. Winter. Yeah. And the second yeah, wave is, I don't know, people are not taking it as seriously, I think, in general. Because you've like, oh, we made it through the first one. Let's just, we'll get it through yeah. the second one it's like no we made it through the first one because we were really really careful and really strict so the second one we have to do the same if we want to get through it yeah even though we have many more people who um uh don't really i guess idiots <laughs> in america you know um i can't think of a better word right now um, yeah COVID idiots whatever even though there's a lot more here than you know in germany there's still plenty in Germany and, and it's the holidays and people want to be with family and people want to, you know, so um, emotionally I can't blame them. But, you know, um, logically, I'm like, just, oh, my God, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah. ju- you know, I, I just saw pictures of a, of a Christmas market in, I think, Freiburg and it was packed. Half people weren't even wearing masks. And this was like this week. And I'm like, oh, my God. Numbers are spiking everywhere in the world right now, and you know they're they're not treating it as dangerous as the first wave. And well, now now Even we see the numbers wearing going up. masks in winter is actually like yeah, a double it's a nice, bonus. It's, it's a warm. warm, you know, keeps yeah. your nose warm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's awesome. I think I would always want to wear a mask in winter. <laughs> You know, it's funny because when I lived in Korea, I would see people in masks all the time. Clearly not as many as now, but you would see it, you know. It's a common practice yeah. to wear a mask if you're under the weather. And that's a, a, an, an Asian um, thing because I know Japanese do it and I'm pretty sure Chinese do it as well. Um, but my experience yeah. was in Korea and I saw it all the time. I bought a mask. I bought a mask while I was in Korea 10 years ago. Never thought I'd ever use it and until you know. <laughs> this year. <laughs> I was I was wondering like um, when when people started selling masks and everything if that was going to become like a new like fashion trend and um, I mean it hasn't been that uh, necessarily it's more like people are wearing them out of necessity because even if somebody is like well I don't believe that it do it does anything they realize that like I can't get into stores and restaurants mm-hmm. and other stuff mm-hmm. unless I have a mask on so they do wear it yeah um, but. Um, yeah, like the way I view mask has totally changed because I remember like uh, avian flu, swine flu, and how those were things where we had some concern in America, but it never hit us the way that it did like 
you know, places in, in Asia and even Europe. And um, so it was always kind of funny to me whenever I would see an Asian person like at the supermarket, the airport, just out in public right. wearing a mask. And I'm like the the thing it made me think of was like, um, you know, late in life, Michael Jackson. That's and right. so That's right. it was something to where I would see that and it would be kind of funny to me. But now, like my feelings about it have totally changed, yeah. and totally turned around. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, like how long we are going to go where it's going to be kind of like a normal thing for us to wear a mask around, which, you know, kind of brings it back around. It's like that's what those folks were doing. And they understood, like, how that would help keep them safe and healthy or at least protect others around them. That's the main thing. It's protecting others. You know, you know so if you're yeah. under the weather, you can if you see a mask and it, it, when I was living there, and I saw a mask. I was like, OK, that guy might be feeling sick. But he still needed to go to work or whatever he needed to do. But I also, I actually, for example, I actually sometimes forget that I'm wearing a mask. And then maybe I like feel something around my neck. I'm like, oh, well, this is, oh, that's right. I was wearing a mask. And, but yeah. I actually do think like, it's not a fashion statement so much, but it tells me a lot about you by what kind of mask you're wearing. So, and so it's really fun. Like some, I'll be like, oh, that's a really cool mask. I wonder where they got those. Or you see if they're like, clearly made by a mom or a grandma and um, those are awesome um, or if you have like if you're the like sleek black mask kind of person and it's like okay you that's that's like the cool like understated thing to do or the paper mask it's just you know oh you don't have anybody in your family that can sew that's what i see well, you know <laughs> I've, I've straight up seen people that their mask is a t-shirt sleeve they cut off a oh. t-shirt sleeve and then they slipped it over their head that tells me that like, they're inventive. It's at least and I something. Respect that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the yellow mask that I got from her friend's mom, because I had a beard, and so whenever I wore my mask, my, my beard would kind of come over underneath. So she made this big giant one that would cover the whole beard. <laughs> and a lot of people <laughs> were like, oh man, some little baby is running around naked without their diaper because Everett has it on his face. <laughs> Although I think that should be like a new mask category, just oversized because it needs to protect your beard. Yeah, you don't want great. your beard to get <laughs> COVID that's and true. there's enough yeah. hipsters out there to warrant it. We had a, in our crossover episode, we had a guy, he's a total metalhead and he uh, came to Leipzig uh, for the, for the pre-production, I guess, you know, the pre-shoot. Um, and, uh, you know, he was visiting, he's also American. So he was like, Hey, let's check out. Uh, I saw that the, the, the Bach church or yeah, St. Thomas, um, where Bach used to, um, uh, work, um, was having like a little chorus recital or something. And he was like, I want to go check it out. And we were like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go. And we went there and only after the recital, after the service, there was a whole church service and everything. And, and then of course the singing, which was beautiful. And the organ was amazing. Um, and we walked out and he, and he realized, oh man, I had a, a hail Satan mask on. <laughs> it's important to have a mask for every occasion, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it's like the mask is more important than the message. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. so what I'd like to talk about next is when you guys conceived of American quarantined in Germany and just the adventures that that took you through. But what I would like to do real quickly, if it's all right, is to take a quick break and then come back and start that discussion. Sounds good.
trapped inside a mining complex among the ruins of Chernobyl. A group of international mercenaries must band together to take their last stand. Stoker, the leader, a walking charge of TNT. David, the fighter. He doesn't talk with words, he talks with fists. Reiko, the samurai. Smart, sexy, more than deadly. Darwin, the Texan, a man from the dark side. Yeehaw. Don't mess with Texas. Heinrich, the priest, keeping hell full of bad guys. Ashes to ashes. John, the sniper, never misses, always hits the heart. Brenner, the blade, highly experienced in cold steel. Lori, the rookie, young, wild, and explosive. Together, they must fight an army of madmen. If it's war that he wants, it's war he's gonna get. Who are these guys? Eight against 800. They just couldn't lose. American black exploitation legend Fred Williamson. German martial arts sensation Mike Muller. In Nico Sentner's <laughs> Atomic kind of Eden. A little dented. Yeah. And it has scratch marks from opening beer with it. Rolling. <laughs> Such an Everett thing to do. Definitely. This is a very German bottle. Yeah. Germans open most of their beers like with this technique that is, um, it's in your blood if you're German. But Everett had to learn it. <laughs> oh, I learned it. I can now open up any of these. There's a Texan technique, which is to uh, take the, it has to be a twist off, but you take a twist off and you put it on your forearm skin, and then you just use your own skin to pop it off. <laughs> okay, first off, that sounds kind of painful, and second off, it's a twisty bottle? I don't know. Yeah, it's not a beer if it's a twist off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy how much uh, sadomasochism is like inherent to like the Texan identity. You know, just for your, your average, like, Texas dude. That would explain a lot because I definitely, like, this recent episode, I we recounted it. And I actually fall and hurt myself six times. The most in any other episode. In any of the American Quarantine. Because you know how I'm very, I love physical comedy, first off. It's just my, yeah. you know, physical comedy is top notch. It's the way to get anybody. Um, and so I was all about physical comedy. But, you know, in this most recent episode, sorry, in this most recent episode, <laughs> I, He's just dragging I, his glass I, over the I, table to be extra noisy. Just, it's the, it's the, the condensation. I'm and like, I'm just waiting for her to just, you know, psh. <laughs> stop. <laughs> <laughs> the thing yeah, is, is so, now I'm, so, I'm actually including in our outtakes, I'm including when she like knocks me because, because she does this in real life. In, in in the show, we over-exaggerate it, and I overdo my reaction to it. But in real life, she's... she And, and I'm going to tell you this. She got it from my mom. The moment she met my parents and saw that my mom would do like, I know, no hace eso, or, you know, or whatever, to my dad. Well, it works. You know? 
um, she's, when she saw that, she was like, oh, that's how you treat an Aponte. But also, it helps everyone focus because he's all over the place in his head and he can never get his lines right. He's actually the worst person at learning lines. It's true. And so he'll get the same line wrong like 50 times in a row. And smacking him, like actually works like it's like it makes him focus and we have that as a saying in german like sometimes you have to wake up those brain cells that's that's convenient that um that for the person who's getting frustrated with their victim that they're like no when i when i strike them it actually gets them to do what i want them to do so it's like you know i get the frustration out and i get a good result Oops. Well, um, I mean, not to justify, you know, violence, but he and, needs it. You know, um, and I, you know, I grew up with a Latino family. I'm, I'm thinking you might know what I mean. Um, so, so you know, um, there's this sort of, uh, I believe, you know, if I really try to psychoanalyze this, that there's somewhat of an Oedipus complex in this. <laughs> like, you know. I'm like, you know, my, uh, you know, the people I've dated before, they never hit me enough. <laughs> <laughs> but so. in the show, Everett gets hurt a lot. And then we've had comments saying like, oh, is that fair? Like, should that be more even? Yeah, or something I can't like believe that. someone actually said that. And <laughs> there's several things to it. But for one, I don't think our YouTube show would do very well if, Everett started to hit me and yeah. the other thing is really that Everett is like the physically funny person he makes funny faces he falls funny he makes funny noises kids and love me yeah so everybody just loves seeing him get hit even though we don't like to have violence that much it's really funny when something stupid happens to him yeah I mean yeah, I mean it's... Everett getting hit in the head with a soccer ball that you kicked is a lot funnier than if you reverse the roles yes. exactly you know we don't advocate for domestic violence either way there's no gender role on the domestic violence issue I get it um, but uh, I mean this is comedy <laughs> you know so and there can only be one person point. that has the sort of comedy and it's kind of like you know, I mean, Everett sort of plays like Homer Simpson a lot. And so Homer Simpson has to get hurt. If Marge got hurt, that wouldn't really be that funny. Exactly. Because Homer's the yeah. funny one. I, I really don't know how to explain it except, I mean, this is sort of a long-standing sort of gender thing. You never hit women. Okay, I get it. You know, it's, it's sort of a traditional sort of way of looking at things. And I get that that's a little bit old-fashioned. Um, and that nowadays domestic violence, I mean, look at Johnny Depp, you know, do, you know, domestic violence goes both ways. I get that. I get that, you know, but in a comedy, it's just, I don't know. It's never funny to hit women. <laughs> like it just doesn't work. You but know? also, I don't think I would make the funny face. Like I punch him and he falls like dramatically down three flights of stairs, it makes the funniest noise. If he punched me, I'd just be like, ow. I, I, yeah. I well, mean. it also it also <laughs> plays into the stereotypes inherent to the the fact that you are you're you're a uh, couple that's you know you you have vastly different uh, origins um, and that Everett is out of place in uh, in in your home turf 
So obviously there is uh, a, a sense of, of power, you know, almost of, of dominance that you have. And that's, that's kind of the beauty. Like you guys, I'll be honest, like I watch a lot of YouTube and one of the things that I really can't stand are like couple channels and like family channels on YouTube. And a lot of it is because it's so exploitative and so much of it is, so much of it is like super fake. Whereas what you guys do is you've you've got something that is at at the same time like historic historical educational and comedic, um, but is also like very much like a product of the times, and so um, it's been fascinating to watch that both as somebody who is a friend of the both of you, but also as just somebody who is looking for entertaining content. So to watch like the dynamic between the two of you guys and then also at the same time it's it's not just it's not just like a series of like very you know kind of base level um sketches like there is like a sense of like scripting there is something that every single episode it's very clear that you guys are setting out to accomplish something with the episode there's a theme to it um but at the same time like you guys have very smartly figured out like what are the things that people enjoy watching you make sure to have them in the show and have them happen in, in an organic fashion that isn't just kind of like you're just you know you don't know what to do so you're like oh let's go back to this joke let's go back to this bit you know like you're not just repeating those things they they fall in there just right and it works out so well because the two of you are a couple and so you have that natural chemistry bef between you but yeah like not just because, you know, it's a man and a woman, so it's the, the woman committing the violence toward the man, but it's the way that you have your personality and Josie has her personality and it's the kind of like eye-rolling, smack on the head, you know, let me knock some sense into you so you can understand this guy. And it works every single time. Like, it, 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 it's that, that perfect balance of like, you know what to expect but at the same time, like it, 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 it doesn't feel rote. Wow. Now that is a compliment and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that brother. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was very cool. Like going from like, um, knowing that my friends, uh, left the country wondering, like, should I have maybe tried to do something like that? Like, did you guys make the smart move that I missed out on? Um, and at the same time, like just being like, I wonder what they're up to. It's, you know, we're in a socially distant world at this point. Yeah. So being able to actually like see your friends, um, and, and flip it on there and be like, okay, I can't, I can't exactly talk to them. Uh, we can't like go and visit and everything like that, but I'm getting to see what you're doing and what you're up to, but having it in a format that is meant to be entertaining to people. That was something that was really cool to watch. And, I'm I'm curious, like, when you guys initially like left, was that something that you were planning to do, or when did the idea strike you, and when did it just kind of become what it is now? We we definitely planned on having some sort of video YouTube project, but and we actually shot some of it, and it's just not very good because we would do like. We would just literally be in situations that were very German and Everett would be like, oh my God, guys, look, in Germany, there's a lot of beer you can buy. 
and it's just not it's just not good yeah we we did when we left one of we made sure that we packed the essentials to be able to shoot something right so i packed one of my lights you know an led that i can travel with um, we packed um, our sound equipment because that was easy to pack. That, that was just two little, you know, cases that we could fit. And, um, and then my camera bag with had all my camera and all my lenses and all that stuff. Um, it was just a Rebel T2i, so it wasn't, you know, it was just a regular, um, but good enough for YouTube. Um, and uh, we, you know, we, we went out we because we, we did have our YouTube channel and I was like, we should continue it even, you know, whatever. So uh, this will be neat. We'll be out there. Um, and we were going to go on the normal video vlog style where, you know, I'm, I'm an American in Germany and I'm, you know, looking at, I'm checking out this beer. We, and we shot, we went to the beer Laden and we shot like, this is this beer. Look, I, I, I can, you know, and I was speaking directly to the camera, right? So it'd be sort of a video vlog type of thing that uh, most YouTubers do. That's what they do, you know, like top 10 things or whatever. They're speaking to the camera. But I think even with like a vlog, you actually have to put in more work than we thought. So just going there and talking without like a specific goal doesn't doesn't come out that well. So um, but we never really were like, OK, let's just write down what do we like about beer? Because that's not that wasn't interesting to us. So then eventually ever just started writing scenes that were really based on conversations that we had. So the very first episodes about bread. Um, and that's the the, smallest topic ever right like it it is but it was one of the things that like may have bugged me the most going to germany and them calling the sliced bread toast before it's even toasted it's just that's what it's called it's called toast it says it it on the packaging and it says it even says it on the packaging and and it just bothered the the living daylights out of me so we will literally say and so like somebody will be like ah i want toast for breakfast and we'll be like do you want that normal or toasted yeah like it doesn't make sense (laughs) that's that's not english okay um so so that that's kind of uh what happened was um now the whole time um that we started this show um i was telling her like i really want to just try to create like a more of a sitcom scripted type of thing um but she was right when we were looking at everybody else they were doing easy things, just simple things, set up the camera, talk to the camera. And yes, that's true. That's why we were producing, you know, her silks, uh, aerial uh, video. I was, you know, the Arnold thing. It was just really stuff, easy stuff that I could put together. And that was her thing. She was telling me, just keep it simple because you're not getting paid. Like, you know, it's not like, <laughs> you know, uh, you sh- don't put in too, too much work. Um, because we simply can't do it. And, and the reason behind that was because we both had full-time jobs. Okay. So we find ourselves in Germany. Neither of us have a job and we were about to start doing video vlogging again, you know, just the regular simp, keep it simple. But then I realized, wait, now we have the time. If we were ever to create a sitcom style show, this is the time to do it. And I and I said, scrap everything we shot. I'm just gonna write a script, and we're we're gonna do it this way because we have the time to do it. But even then, we still had to keep it simple. One, we only had like so little equipment. 
and two, we still didn't get paid, so you can't invest a budget into something. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. we were literally locked down, so we had to stay inside. Right. And so, couldn't do anything else. So we did keep it simple anyway, but it, to a certain extent. Um, I, I, I sort of meant like the difference between video vlog and, and sitcom, scripted sitcom. But yes, we still had to keep it simple. We only had one light. We had our camera and our phones, right? And I can't carry that camera around everywhere. So anytime we did anything exterior, we were literally like, you know, holding the phone behind us to get an over the shoulder shot like this, you know? <laughs> um, so I would, I would tell her, you know, you know she, she would have the camera like this. They can see it right there, right? And I would say, no, move it like there. There you go. Okay, I'm in it. Your back, your head's in it. And then I would say my lines, right? Um, so and we that's would have to keep taking breaks because your arms start yeah, to hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that's uh, basically uh, that's the simple simplicity that she's talking about. Where you know we weren't keeping it simple because you know we wanted to. We we kept it simple because we had to. We just didn't have anything else. Um, yeah. But and I think it still we kept worked. our topic simple and like the jokes are pr like pretty. They're they're simple in the sense that they literally actually happen to us most of the time. And because they happen to us, they've happened to other people. Like the toast thing, I'm, you cannot be the only American that, that, that is bothered by that. And we found out that that's true. Like other people who were living in Germany who, were, who either had American spouses or who were American were like, oh my God, I've had this conversation. And, and, and I, first off, I've... I suddenly felt like I wasn't alone, <laughs> and then and then secondly, we discovered that we can reach people um, with our experiences. So I would literally say maybe fifty to seventy-five percent of what is written were things that literally have happened to us. Um, yeah. You know, maybe not that extreme. Maybe not all at once. I've, we've had the bread conversation a right. hundred thousand. Yeah, times. the bread conversation was. <laughs> I, I've had it with many Germans. Um, you know, and so when my, my German friends, um, like Nico, actually, Nico called me after the first episode and was like, we've had this conversation about the toast. I can't believe you put it in the show. This is so great. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, uh, uh, that, that, that's kind of how, uh, that spawned. It was out of the need to still be creative, but not the way we were doing it before, um, in a way that we really wanted to express ourselves and do it in the way that we're actually technically used to because you know she works for a producer she's a producer's assistant so we've been on films i've shot films you know i've shot short films and these this is the way i wanted to do my youtube channel but we couldn't before because we had full-time jobs and could not just put the time in for it so yeah. in a weird way the pandemic actually gave us that opportunity and so I, I hate saying it, but I mean, I've said it before where I'm like, wow, the pandemic's kind of one of the best things that's ever happened to us. Wow. I try well, not to that's one of the big. That's one of the big things about it is I, I remember hearing very early on that, um, you know, once it was, it was like, look, like people are staying home, like, you know, and for a while we we're getting enough money that allowed people to just say like, okay, it's safer for me to, it's safer for me to stay home than to go out. Um, and so the line was that there's going to be a lot of really incredible like art um, and just creative endeavors that are going to come out of this. And literally what you guys did is an example of that um, because it 
fully encapsulates just sort of this this uh you know weird space and time that you know maybe 10 years from now we're going to look back and and it'll be you know it'll it'll be the the current version of what 911 was um for you know people that you know grew up through that period yeah um and so there's that but it's also you know with what you guys do um, you, you take things that are obviously very relatable to people that are on either side of the the ocean. Um, so, you know, there's there's your 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 German perspective is is represented. Your American perspective is represented, and it even goes beyond that because for people that are outside of Germany, like you know, people from the UK, I'm sure that if they go to Germany, all of a sudden they're just like, oh wow, like I. I see things that I recognize, but they're 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 being called different things. They're being applied in a different way. Um, but really, what worked the best about it was that you guys very early on had very clearly established characters. Because uh, you know, from my perspective as somebody who knows both of you, when I would watch it, there would just become these moments to where it would stop being exactly like the two of you that I, I know in my personal life. Yeah. And I would see you as the characters that you were, and yet you were still relatable in, in watching that dynamic that was going on. And so that's what I found to be very entertaining. And it was really cool to watch as you went on episode after episode, your views and your subscriber count would, would start to go up. And I'm interested to see like where you guys are going to take this from here because obviously there's going to be there's going to continue to be things happening, but now that you're back in the U.S., like, what are you guys planning to do now? You know that's that's um, interesting. I'll, I'll I'll never forget when my dad, my father, he called me, and said, "Wow, Everett, you're playing the ugly American really well." <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, I remember my dad and uh, we, my family, we used to talk about the ugly American um, because we're Puerto Rican. So I, I definitely grew up not in a normal American household. You know, I didn't know that Black Eyed Peas was a thing on New Year's Day until after I graduated high school. You know, um, that's a total Texas Southern thing. But I didn't realize that until I actually went out into the real world. You know, because I had my Puerto Rican bubble um, that that I grew up with, um, and so uh, um, so the ugly American was always a, 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 a the thing, which is always made my dad laugh. We love The Simpsons. I, my dad loves The Simpsons. He loves Homer Simpson. My mom hates it, so we always had to like sneak around watching that show. Um, but it, it, it was a big influence on my character and, and, and how I developed that or whatever I did with it. Um, Homer Simpson was a huge, huge influence, which is why I get a lot of, um, uh, comparisons to him, um, which I love. Um, but you're right. So when we came to America, we were discussing a lot. Like we, we were like, okay, we don't want to do the same thing. We, we want to make an, a kind of a new show. Um, and we were discussing about, you know, how we would make newer characters. But in the end... I think we've basically decided to kind of just do a spin-off. Where, like, you know, if there's a spin-off of a show, they always take one character. And that character already existed in your old show. And they just get put in a new world. So, 
okay, we took literally the two only characters from one show and put them in a new world. But so the characters are exactly the same, and we're still called the same. Yeah. Um, but the world is a completely different one, and I think we're gonna we're talking uh, we're gonna be talking about all the things that are really just different about normal life, and not just necessary. Like that's not always criticism. That might be like something really great, but it's just about how America or and LA specifically is different from how. I would expect people our age to live in Germany or yeah. in Europe, probably in general. So yeah, we we basically decided to keep the con keep the same characters, um, but just be in a different environment. Um, now, technically, the idea would be that I would you know be more in control since it's my country, but. Um, the way I sort of look at it is kind of like um, my my biggest influence on how we on the direction we're going now is I Love Lucy, in which uh, Lucille Ball plays the American and Desi Arnaz is the foreigner, but Desi Arnaz is the one with the level head, right? And so Lucy is the one that's always you know now back then that might have been more of a gender thing. In this case, I kind of flip it, you know. So I'm the loose canon um but it's still kind of that same dynamic where the foreigner still seems to be in control <laughs> of things and yeah. and the american idiot is an american idiot <laughs> and I, but i also think that's actually just reflective of our personality because even when if when we're going on trips where clearly everett should know what's happening like we go to texas we go to puerto rico like he should know what's going on he'll literally be like you know We'll just do stuff. And I would be like, well, okay, that's just not going to work. And so then I find out, I try to figure out what hotel we're staying at. I try to figure out what restaurants we can eat at. Unless he's like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite restaurant. But most of the time I'm making the planning. I'm like, okay, well, you know, this actually closes. He's like, oh, I didn't know that it closes. Okay. And, 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 and that's the perfect dynamic because, you know, the German still plays the German. You like, have to She plan. is still, like, super organized. And, and that's what's... I, I, think, I think that's why people are enjoying our show is because of the authenticity of it. Because, like, Germans... She, she is playing the German stereotype, but in real life, she is that German stereotype. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Um, like, obviously, we exaggerate it. Um, but... but you know, she's definitely far more organized than I am. And I don't know if you know the reputation of Puerto Ricans, but I mean, we're, you know, we're late to everything. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that's an American thing or a Puerto Rican thing, but Both. I think it's a little bit of a combination at this point. Um, so, um, so yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the direction we're going. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fun for me because I can sit there and watch it and I'm like I I on one level understand you guys are playing characters and on another level I'm like I know who you guys are like and watching those two things kind of kind of uh um intersect with each other it, it's fun to watch for me uh but at the same time like I'm able to at some moments just completely like disconnect from that and watch the the interactions between the two of you and it's like there's there's some stereotype playing there 
but you guys are very smart in the way that you don't lean all the way into it. You like sort of touch on it and then you start to move in this other direction um, where it becomes satisfying because it's like you like if you watch enough episodes, you start to expect that there's going to come this point where Josie is going to get into the the not a rant exactly, but she's just like, even if the world is ending, Germans would never do this. <laughs> yeah. And then you know that's going to be followed up with, with, with you being like, yeah, but. <laughs> and it's always fun getting to that point and like seeing how that, that plays out. Um, but think... it, it, it's great because, you know, it, it is funny. It is entertaining. It does have, uh, it always has like nuggets of, of educational content in it. So it, 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 you know, it's it's very well-rounded in that regard. So you guys did a really good job with that. And um, just by the fact that you have that great theme song that you start the episodes out with, like, it's very clear that there was a sitcom sense to it, but it doesn't have that staleness that a lot of sitcoms tend to have. It's this, it's something where you, you take something that everybody can very quickly recognize but you recontextualize it in a sense that our generation, like that's the lens through which we see things. So on, on that, like that's, that's one of your really big achievements that you did with this, but just the interplay between you guys is what really makes it something that's fun and entertaining and relatable for people to watch. Cool. I think the apocalypse is kind of, it's our biggest surprise, I think, as a catchphrase. Yeah. Maybe, and like, but I, I just went through such an evolution, because you wrote it, and I was like, ah, oh, well, that's one hell of a line. Like, I'm never going to be able to say that, because yeah. it's a mouthful. And I'm like, but does that even make sense? Like, is the baker open even if the world is burning to the ground? You know, it's like, eh, okay. And then we tried to shoot it, and it took me forever to get it. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to say this line. Don't ever write it again. And then we watched the episode. I'm like, never mind. Actually, I think that ep line should be in every episode. And I was like, nah, it's not that great. It's all good. And then Nico calls and was like, oh, the apocalypse line is like the best one. And, <laughs> we're like, and he's like, okay, it's going to be in everything now. And so we've made up. But it's funny because like every time we come to a new topic and it's a little crazy, but then eventually we're like, this is what the apocalypse line has to be for that episode. And those are all true. But I, like the donor is true. Like donor would always be open. We would always yeah. recycle. Uh, the train, yeah. would, we would always take the train. <laughs> like <laughs> all of those things are true, but you never like think about it like that when you just live there. Yeah. It, does, it takes and, that American And, and as somebody who, who hasn't been to Germany, like, Oh. If you ask me, like, how do I picture a German? It's like, pretty much like your character. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that you, you, you take things super seriously, but you're not like, you're not like so strict that you're not enjoying life. Like you're enjoying life. Right. You're just enjoying life the German way. Yeah. And so an American comes in, especially like yes. an American Texan is just like, yeah, but like, you know, we just get in our cars and we exit the highway and we take the little U-turn back around to get to the other side of the service road. And Germans are just like, that doesn't make any sense. It's so inefficient. Like, it's so right. wasteful. I mean, even, like, yeah. just with being late. Everett's almost late to anything. Like, time practically doesn't exist. I could 
probably not be late if I tried. Like sometimes I'm accidentally on time. <laughs> and if, but so then he's like, oh, let's just enjoy life. We're on vacation. We don't have to be there on time. And it's like, you know, I would enjoy my vacation a lot more if I was there on time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 and so it's just, it's this weird thing where like, even if this was the apocalypse, I would still, you know, get there on time. Yeah, you would be on time for the apocalypse, if Absolutely. not early. Everett would probably miss it. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, okay, I'm here for the apocalypse. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that and then the, just the constant, like, popping open a beer, oh. you know. That definitely was my uh, favorite part of, of shooting in in Germany was, like, literally here, I, I don't even drink beer anymore because I've been spoiled. Like, if, if I hadn't had this experience in Germany, I'd probably have a six-pack in my fridge. But right now, look, I'm drinking a white Russian because I just, I, I won't drink beer anymore <laughs> unless it's German. I need a good German beer, you know? And it's funny, like, I, I, I never thought that that would, you know, happen. I'm sure, like, I go to a bar and I'll get a beer, you know? The other day, someone gave me a Budweiser and I was like, all right, I'll drink this, you know? <laughs> so, um... You know, it's it's just kind of one of those things. Um, but yeah, like, I, you know, I just don't, you know, get beer anymore. I don't, you know, because, God, man, that German beer is outstanding. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty incredible. There, there are a lot of really shitty things that we put up with in America just because it's like, well, this is how this tastes and this is how this smells and looks and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but I still, you know, but, uh, like, I, I, you know, every time, you know, we, we, we talk about differences, and you know, I still like to bring up one thing that I am very proud of, you know, as far as American is concerned. And America is still, in my opinion, the most diverse country in the world. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, one of my good friends, um, he, he messaged me after seeing, uh, we were probably about halfway through, so probably about like 12 episodes. And he was like, hey, man, are there any black people in Germany? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, but <laughs> it's, it's just not the same. It's not like, yeah. it's not like well, America, man. And to be fair, like, we were in East Germany. East Germany was behind the wall until just 30 years ago. So there was only like 30 years sure. of time where people of different races could have walked into the country sure i mean i guess there's that point but um you know it's just I, america has that long history and it's it is i mean i have to agree with that because the very first time i was in new york i went on a subway to jamaica queens which is not a white neighborhood but having been and you know being from europe i'm used to in i'm used to always mostly see white people i've traveled to countries where i know they look everybody looks different and then I know that I look different but being in America in TV Americans are mostly white so presumably Americans yeah. and in That's real life are mostly the, white the whitewashed Hollywood that she and grew up with so yeah. then going being on the subway to Jamaica Queens I was like man there sure is a lot of foreigners here and then like a day later I'm like Psh, they're not foreigners locals yeah and so it was like it was weird and i mean everybody got along perfectly well and it was just a really great crowd to yeah. be with but it took me a day to realize that 
yeah. that's how wonderfully like mixed this country can be. You know, and there are some ethnicities that are like you know, like Germany has a huge Turkish um, community, you know, um, and then England has a huge Indian community. Um, in fact, most of my English friends are Indian. That's funny. I didn't realize this, but now that I'm thinking about it, like most of my friends who are from England are in, are are Indian <laughs> or, or come from Indian descent. I guess Indian that's descent. one of the good uh, you know? the good results of imperialism. Yeah, I know that 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 that's somewhat diversity within their country. I'm not sure how well it worked out for India, <laughs> but you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but anyway. The, po the point is, is that um, even though, you know, clearly uh, America has, you know, dark history um, and certainly every country has its dark history, um, you know, uh, America has turned out to end up being uh, the most diverse. I mean, we are literally a country of immigrants and yeah. that was something that I um, learned to appreciate amongst my travels. Um, I don't know how we got on that topic, but you know. You wanted to talk about differences, and you were like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, America's I just, great. I just I had to mention that <laughs> because I guess we were talking about something. I forgot what we were talking about, but we went there. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good point to, uh, to touch on. Um, so what, what I'm curious about is, at what point did, uh, okay, so, so what precipitated your return to the states, and, um, you know. At what point did you guys actually start, you know, getting back to work and some semblance of what your pre-COVID life was like? Yeah, we haven't returned to any pre-COVID life. Like she, she I went back it. to her her job. I have not, um, because of the success of American Quarantine in Germany. I've completely focused one hundred percent on our YouTube channel. So, but I've gone back to work for a few weeks, but then now it's again kind of a very strict lockdown and yeah. my job is definitely doable home office wise so we're gonna i'm doing that while we're working on the show um or we shoot our show on my days off and in the evenings when i'm not working and that um works but i wouldn't say we've really gone back to our like pre-covid lives and um you know i mean we just simply had to come back and in some way i think it was like a good thing to kind of have American quarantine in Germany end while it was like on such high demand to be able to switch to a new show. Of course, then we had like the loss of like the yeah. three episodes that we shot, and that it was, was a tragedy. You know, really annoying because we wanted to end on a bang, and we yeah, we had everything planned out to end with a five. You know, we had three episodes shot, and then we had two more that we were scripted and planning to you know put together. Um, to kind of close out an American quarantine in Germany with like me uh, with us coming back to America It would have ended with us coming back to America like this. We had it all planned out We had an episode in Berlin an episode in Cologne and then an episode in London and then we we're gonna have a two-part episode in uh, Los Angeles uh, of our return and we had it all planned out I mean, I, I don't mind saying that two-part episode was basically going to be a zombie apocalypse type of thing like Walking so, Dead. a COVID apocalypse um, so we would come back to America and everybody's just like eating each other. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that probably came out wrong, but, uh, um, but that was, that was kind of our, our goal. Um, but of course we had our, our tragic event. Um, and so now we just, you know, American quarantine ended a little bit 
too soon, but it but it was still um, you know poetic for us and and you know the reason we had to come back. I mean, there's not one particular reason. We there were several reasons we had to come back. So. Um, well, and then the feeling, kind of how we felt like if we didn't leave the U.S. in March, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to visit Germany anytime this year. And, you know, we were kind of right about that one. Yeah. Back then in, like, September, we were like, if we don't leave at the beginning of October, we're probably not leaving Germany at all this year. Maybe not anytime soon in 2021. So we were like, we just got to do it now, even if we don't feel 100% comfortable with it and we're not confident that the pandemic's under control. And yeah. so we just, we were like, let's just rip off the Band-Aid and just it come back. It you was know, okay. The, the, the economy and everything didn't collapse the way we thought it would. Um, I wanted also to be able to, you know, throw my vote in. Even though California always goes blue, I just want to make sure I, I still, you know, got my vote in. Um, ah, oh, okay, so, sorry, sorry, it went out okay. for a second there. Um, yeah, it, it, it paused <coughs> when you were you were talking about uh, wanting to uh, put your vote in. Yeah, yeah, um, you know that. Um, uh, also, we didn't want to miss when the industry, you know, the, the 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 Hollywood industry started opening up again. Of course. Clearly, that's not going to happen. But, you know, we, we, we didn't want to miss the opportunities to, you know, um, get certain jobs that we could get, you know, because I'm in the DGA and she's a producer now. So we're trying to get expand our, you know, professional lives as well in, in the industry. So we didn't want to miss any opportunities that could happen as we opened up. Um, but, uh, I mean, of course, now we're closing down again. So whatever, you know, that point is, is, you know, there were a lot of things. For me, the main reason uh, to come back was that I didn't want to keep imposing on her family and friends. Like, we, we, were, we stayed with her friend for, like, five months. Then we stayed at her mom's house to the point where she had to stay with her sister while we did it. So, you know, that... I just... I can't... We can't do that, you know? I mean... If we had our own apartment, you know, sure, we'd stay as long as we want. But in order to get our own apartment, we'd, we'd have to go through all the immigration stuff and, you know, do all of that. And, you know, we weren't really prepared for that. We were just going to stay out there until, you know, America got their shit together, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, I mean, just you know, not to, not to let anybody down, but I don't think we have. But... We're making well. Do. I don't know. The election says otherwise, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, no, it, it, it doesn't. The election, does. in my opinion, does say that you know, hey, clearly this Trump guy doesn't know what he's doing. Let's at least get this other weirdo in. <laughs> you know, let's try yeah. something else. There's, there's at least the idea that we're trying something else. And but there was I'm also okay still that. such a big portion of the country yeah, that didn't still, realize yeah. how crazy bad Trump is don't and that just makes you really question everything yeah don't get me wrong it's still even though um, Biden got the election the election was still a huge disappointment oh I did it again yeah yeah I mean we we could 
we could sit here and go on for yeah politics who cares let's talk at about least our an stuff. hour if yeah. not more about i know i stuff, know you but, we, we've done that before but right, yeah Manny? i mean like like right now it, it seems like the arrow is pointing up and you know if we can get through this uh you know hopefully things are going to be a lot better for all people but you know, we, we are where we are, and there there are signs of positive. There There's going to be some bad things that happen, but there's also going to be some good that's going to come out of it, and that's just the way that things always are. Um, and the big thing for me is I, like, I'm glad that you guys made it back. I'm glad that you guys are whole. I'm glad that you guys have this, this whole budding thing to work on because I think that's going to be a big part of a lot of people's lives is figuring out, like, okay... I know that I can't rely on all these other industries that always provided like some kind of opportunity for me. So, you know, when you can figure out like what are your talents, what are your skills and apply those in a way that you are in control of your own destiny, that's a wonderful thing. And that is one of the things that you can, if you want to hang your hat on something that America does well, is allowing people to really express their individualism and find a way to exploit your own talents um, for lack of a better term yeah no i get um, that so yeah i mean it's 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 great that you guys are doing that and you know you you took you took lemons and you made some really delicious lemonade out of it and you know it, it's becoming to a point to where there is demand for your lemonade out there yeah um that's funny that you use that analogy because our first episode of our new show um uh uses that that um uh when twists that phrase it, it, it uses it yeah because there's a german phrase that says um it's um if you fall down um so you get up you fix your crown and you carry on yeah the, the phrase is get up fix your crown and carry on and when we lost our final episodes when we lost all three hard drives when we lost all of American quarantine in Germany, like literally all of it is, is all gone. All our master files, all of our footage, raw footage, everything. It's all gone. The only oh, evidence... Oh, hey, don't be depressed. Like, I know, right? The only evidence of this show that exists now is just on, on YouTube. YouTube. Um, when that happened, we had such an outpour of all of our fans. And the most common phrase was, get up. Fix your crown, carry on. And that's a German phrase. Uh, how does it go in Germany? Auf, uh, hinfallen, aufstehen, Krone richten, weitermachen. Yeah. So, um, so in our in our first episode, we had to you know had to take that feeling and apply it. Um, in this in in our first episode, in that case, it was more we lost. I lost my job. You know, I come back to America and I don't have a job. And you know how much that's important to Americans having a, a purpose and job and, and whatnot. That's, it's very important. So I was able to, I, I played that off, but, um, in the end we used that phrase, um, that, you know, I need to just pick, pick myself up, fix my crown and carry on. Right. Um, and, uh, what I decided was like, Oh, that's kind of like, you know, it, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. So we combined it, and like she literally says, "What did what do you say?" When life gives you lemons, uh, get up, fix your crown, and carry on. Yeah, so we just kind of <laughs> combined it. <laughs> but I think it also kind of comes back to like what I 
what the show really kind of gave us and I think also what we like the show gave to our audience is that there was sort of a sense of you made a friend maybe virtually because every time we got a comment or a really nice comment we don't know any of these people but we recognize a lot of their like YouTube names um, and their tags and so we're just we're like oh this person commented again who knows who they are and but we get this like sense of look at this friend and yeah. i think well, because we're trying to be really personal they also feel like they have like a new person in their lives that's not i mean you know we don't actually know each other but we all there's so many also comments that are like if you're ever in my town i would love to get a beer with you i would love yeah. to hang out would love to show you my city you're always welcome and it's like we made new friends i almost hope we you know in, uh, clearly i want us to reach you know much more success but i almost hope that we don't lose that connection it's it's we're at a stage right now where we're able to basically you know con uh, comment and con uh, you know say something to all of our friends who's all, all of our fans who say something to us uh, you know we're able to still keep that interaction And as much as I really do hope that we do get to that point where, oh gosh, we need to hire somebody to answer all of these comments. <laughs> um, um, we, I really love this time that we are in right now where we can personally, you know, just talk to our fans. It's, it's really, it's rewarding. It's almost as rewarding as when I was a teacher. And that was one of the things I wanted to mention because you, you made you made one comment where you said that we marry, you know, like our we have comedy and all this stuff. And also you can learn something from our episodes. And that directly comes from my experience as a teacher. And that is the most rewarding. If, if, if you've never taught, I would say figure out how because being a teacher and seeing your kids learn something or seeing your students learn is the most rewarding thing you can ever think of. I, I, ca I can't think of anything more rewarding than that other than maybe, you know, the medical field where you save a life, literally. Um, but being able to teach someone, um, I, I, I love that, you know, and, and so even now, like I, I, I'm going to be teaching a, a film class at a small um, Uh, school that's in in Santa Monica if everything you know works out and opens up again um, but you know my year teaching in Korea was the most rewarding year of my life and and that was something that was really important to me um, when producing our show like no matter what we do I want to make sure that there is something educational in there somewhere so I really appreciate that you recognize that yeah it's something that it's worked on me since I was a kid that if I could watch something that was educational and entertaining at the same time, like I, like I just sunk right into it. And, um, that was one of the cool things is watching those adventures that you guys were going on. Like I, there was the part of my brain that realized that I was learning something at the same time I was being entertained and it just made me really happy but but also like recognizing the faces that i'm watching as it's going on is i'm just like this is so fucking awesome that my friends are doing this and like i said like i just i keep seeing your view counts and your subscriber counts going up so i was just like that's great like watching you guys like do the q a episodes and everything i'm like this is really cool and that speaks to like 
what is um for despite all its faults why youtube is such a good and successful platform is it does foster that relationship between creators and audience that isn't really possible with traditional media in that like you can have you can have um a radio host you know a, a tv uh star you know a director or somebody that you really really admire and follow but you don't have that per personal connection that you can have with youtube creators where it's just like i feel like i know and i understand this person even if i've never actually spoken directly to them but then like through the comments section like it was always cool for me like commenting on there and like saying like i love this like you know this is fun like trying to like throw something in there and having you guys respond and it's like cool like they saw my comments and everything but i gotta imagine for like people that have never had the opportunity to meet you and are just watching your adventures and they comment and then you guys like like the comment or respond to it or something i mean that's got to be a fantastic feeling for them and it is something that like there is that kind of narrow window where those interactions can happen so you guys are in a great space for that right now and this i hope is, that it lasts as long as it possibly can uh, me too man I, I really do like don't get me wrong i do want to get to that point where we are having so many you know um subscribers and fans and whatnot that you know we actually might have to hire people you know to run our social media platforms um but right now is just the best time uh, for for us and our fans, and and uh, and we're enjoying every second. That's awesome. I love that. That was part one of the conversation with Everett and Josie. You can find them on YouTube, Everjo Entertainment, fantastic channel. Please go check it out. Very entertaining, very funny stuff on there. If you're not following us already, please do so. You can find us on Twitter, at Sequelitis, and on Instagram, at SequelitisPod. You can also email us anytime that you like, SequelitisPodcast at gmail.com. And you can find our episodes on Podomatic, as well as on different uh, podcasting services like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and basically any of those on there. So please keep listening and look forward to bringing you more stuff. Part two of the episode should already be out by the time you're hearing this. I gotta go somewhere, so let's take the tram. I gotta be someplace, so let's take the tram. Don't wanna drive my car, so let's take the tram. You know you wanna come on and take the tram in Deutschland, in Deutschland, in Deutschland, in Deutschland. Wanna go on a date then take the tram. Wanna go and eat some steak then, take the tram Wanna go into town then, take the tram Wanna meet some friends, let's go now, we'll take the tram In Deutschland